You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hey, welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. This is actually our speaker series where we do a live radio show from one of the colleges or universities in the greater Orange County area. Tonight we're at Cal, Cal State University, Fullerton, so we're in the business school and the Center of Excellence in Entrepreneurship. I'd like to say hello to our live audience here that's in the studio. We have... An interesting show to you uh, to present to you today. I, my name is Rick Frenzy. I am your host, and I'd like to thank our sponsors for supporting the program. And I'd also like to thank John Bradley Jackson for being our gracious host again. Let's give a round of applause for JJ. <laughs> JJ, JJ. We have a wonderful panel, and we're going to be talking about the topic of diversity in business. And so we put together quite a panel in a partnership between Cal State Fullerton and Critical Mass Radio Show. So I'm going to ask the panelists to give us a quick introduction of your background. And, J.J., since I've already opened the door for you, how about if we start with you? Can you tell us a little bit about your role? Yeah, it's my honor. Uh, I'm a Silicon Valley guy by uh, trade. I uh, took a tour on Wall Street, and I somehow ended up here at Cal State Fullerton. I'm the director for the Center for Entrepreneurship. Uh, I'm a professor in the classroom. Uh, I also head up the Small Business Institute, which uh, has uh, students consulting with local companies. And we recently opened up the Cal State Fullerton Startup Incubator, where we help young companies uh, come to life. Excellent. Let's give a round of applause for John or JJ. John Bradley Jackson. That should be a song, right? John Bradley Jackson. <laughs> Sing along with me, ladies and gentlemen. If you're listening to us here on iTunes, uh, you can, you it, it can whistle in often. your car. It really does. It really it does. does happen okay. often. So. Uh, moving down our panel list, uh, our second person seated beside JJ, for those of you on the radio, you can't see her. Her name is Summer Sepulveda. So would you give us a little bit about your background, Summer? Yeah, my name is Summer, and I work with the Women's Business Enterprise Council West. I'm a coordinator here in Southern California. We're a regional organization based out of Arizona. We represent about 1,500 women-owned businesses. A little bit about me, um, my background's in advertising. Actually, I worked for a newspaper and used to do a lot of stuff in the music industry and somehow found myself working for a women's nonprofit and ha- cannot be happier. So it's been a fun journey, and my favorite thing to do in the whole world is snowboard. Well, thank you. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> we didn't ask for a personal question, but she volunteered that information. So now, for the for the rest, of the other two panelists, you think about what your favorite thing to do in the world is, okay? And uh, you have to share as well. All right. So, uh, moving on down the panel, Dalip Jaggi is our third panelist. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Of course, uh, my name is Dalip Jaggi. I'm the founder of Devise Interactive, a brand and digital agency. Um, we focus on the implementation of design experiences and innovative technology. By trade, I'm a, I'm a programmer, and uh, that's where I kind of like fell into place there. I, too, went here to Cal State Fullerton for about a year, so that was very interesting. And my favorite thing might be snowboarding. I'm right there with you. Oh, oh wow. Gotta hang out. <laughs> I won't ask you both if they're single or anything. That's not what we're here for, ladies and gentlemen, even though we're on a college campus yeah, on a Thursday night. Isn't that the weekend start for college campuses <laughs> yeah, on Thursday yeah. night? Yeah. All right. And last but not least, right here to my immediate left, is Christian Valencia. Christian, introduce yourself. Well, thank you for having us. And uh, my name is Christian Valencia. Um, I'm the co-founder of The Hit Bottle. Uh, we design and manufacture Double N's latest stainless steel protein shakers. 
my background actually comes from uh, finance. I was actually a commercial banker with uh, one of the largest financial institutions uh, in the U.S., with J.P. Morgan Chase Bank. I was managing uh, a commercial portfolio of uh, companies that had annual revenues between $5 million and, and up. Um, other than that, I love doing CrossFit. Have, you could actually find me at the gym uh, pretty much Monday through Friday. All right, we'll give him a round of applause, too. Come on, we'll give, him all, we'll give everybody love, yes. Even investment bankers. No, I'm just teasing. All right, so we're talking about small business and diversity. So the first question I'd like to open up to the panel, and um, feel free, each of you, to give your sense for this uh, answer to this. But how would you, in your professional experience, define diversity? What are the characteristics that are included in the term, like ethnicity, culture, age, skills, experiences? But how do you... And especially for those of you that are building and growing organizations, how do you define diversity? And maybe, Christian, we'll start with you if you could address that. Um, when it comes to diversity, I mean, it's a term that it's a measure. Um, it goes beyond um, ethnicity, um, religion, sex. Um, I think uh, diversity should be a term that should be defined by personal qualities and um, experiences. Um, I mean, because you could actually learn from each individual by kind of learning from each specific uh, experience and um, personality as well. So that's uh, my, my, my own personal opinion when it comes to and definition of diversity. So really what we're – thank you, Christian. What, what we're talking about is not just diversity that is obvious, but diversity that leads to maybe a diversity of a thoughts, opinions, background, and experiences as well? Yes. Okay. A deeper more meaning of diversity. That is correct. Okay. Can it start with a more superficial, though, approach by looking around the room and going, do we have a very diverse workforce? I mean, sometimes you can look around and go, we don't have a very diverse workforce, right? That is correct. Yeah. And usually if you have, a, if you have physical differences and obvious differences, you probably have the other deeper differences potentially as well. That is correct. Okay. Well, this is not – I'm not going to challenge everyone with their answer, but I just wanted to let you know that we do an interactive uh, uh, show here on Critical Mass Radio Show. So, Dilip, would you uh, define diversity from your perspective? Sure, of course. Um, yeah, I think the general definition would be like race, gender, religion, age. I think you could take it a step further, kind of like what you were mentioning before, where diversity includes uh, visible and non-visible characteristics. Um, this include their perspective, their approach to work, uh, and also like their mindset, which I also think um, totals the whole diversity definition. Do you find in um, a diversity of thought based on um, gender, age as well? Well, not only the thought, just more of their kind of like with their past experiences and their approach to to the work or to the to whatever they're trying to face. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that gender gender is like one characteristic of diversity, but I think um, what I'm speaking more is like the, the invisible type of characteristics as well. Okay, thank you. So, uh, Summer, would you like to chime in? You know, in my world, diversity is very distinct. It's very black and white. And so for me, I represent gender diversity for supplier diversity within corporations. Um, they defined it as underrepresented groups. And so it is female, and ethnic minorities are for the gen for corporate contracting. Those are diversities for what I represent. Excellent. Excellent. Um, we had a, uh, a show on diversity two months ago, and we had uh, Southern California Edison, some of the large utility companies, and they do have business specifically earmarked, if you will, to help uh, diversity diverse businesses um, get a get an opportunity to do business. I think they said forty percent of their spend was targeted for a diverse. There's 
quite a large amount of business out there if you just know how to go through the various hoops to get it and get qualified because it just doesn't happen if you show up. Yes, Summer? Yeah, that's the Southern California Edison sits on our board of directors, and they're one of our number one corporate clients that we operate to help them reach those goals by representing the women portion. That's what I found interesting as well is that they find it sometimes difficult to actually find enough diverse businesses to allocate mm -hmm. to their mandates. Yep. And um, they're, they're a willing participant, eager to help find companies, train them, and bring them along so that they can. And in certain areas, they're having even more trouble, you know, specific niches. If, yep. if you're in that space, you really have an opportunity, and it's different for every company. All right. Can we give them all a round of applause for their first answer? Okay. Uh, JJ, did you want to add anything to that conversation about diversity? Well, I, what I would add is uh, as we look at these different categories, uh, they're sweeping generalizations. And in fact, there's incredible segmentation under the category, as an example, women, right? But with that said, I think uh, diversity is built on the, the premise that we all need to be treated fairly and that we need to recognize the opportunity and, in fact, celebrate uh, that difference. Yes, we should celebrate that difference. But that leads me to a question which I'd like to ask. Do you ever, have you ever experienced where having diversity in the workforce leads to tension? Off script? Just off the top yeah, of my head. Absolutely. So, abso so the, uh, the diversity that we have in the workplace um, manifests itself as differences of opinion. Uh, and as an example, so uh, I'm a, a, a short white guy, okay? And I have a set of experiences, all right, that are very special. And, uh, you know, Summer may not dig it. She may not uh, understand what I've, uh, what I've experienced. And because of that, we have differences of opinion. And so you have to slow yourself down and say, well, tell me more. Let me understand what your experiences are. Yeah, so uh, let's. You, he brought your name up. So, like, in the spirit of a good debate, where if your name was mentioned, you get 30 seconds to respond. So, we'll just we'll work that game. But, but Summer, um, is it a price to pay that you may have a little bit of inefficiency in sharing and getting on the same page, but then you get some type of a benefit after that? by having a diverse workforce. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And yes, yeah, short white guys are not my style, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah, you yeah. read me oh, as yeah, soon yeah. as yeah. I'm Put kidding. Put him in his place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I love I love John. Um, no. So for, for diversity and the way that it, you know, we have uh, two business owners and a professor that's sitting on the panel with me. And so um, they have a unique perspective. So for me, I work for a company. And for diversity, it brings different ideas, different backgrounds, it drives innovation, and it really creates, in my idea, the best type of work environment, as well as results when it comes to like projects and stuff like that. If you have the same people with the same mindset from the same experiences doing the same thing, then you're, not get, you're gonna get the same results. Let's talk about your organization, your company. Do you consciously wanna put together people that have this diverse uh, view of the, of the world, do you, do, you, do you manage for that? Do you lead for that? Oh, yes. Um, 
Well, I think to kind of answer that question, what I, I kind of preach in, in our company culture is transparency. And what I've always loved about it is like our team members kind of challenging each other. So having different backgrounds, experiences, and just kind of like bringing their own like their thought like to whatever problem it is, that healthy level of challenging kinesthetically has always been a very educational level for the team members, for me as like upper management as well, and has always that kind of like brought our company and elevated to the next level. Thank you. And Christian, final thoughts on how you structure your organization? I mean, I think uh, transparency, it's, uh, it's a huge portion uh, when it comes to a company culture uh, structure. Um, like the Leib stated, it's one of those things that actually brings the team together um, by being able to understand from uh, everyone's different um, culture and background. And, uh, I mean, that's the beauty of diversity, being able to kind of understand everyone's um, point of views to be able to bring a project together. So, Great. May I ask for another round of applause for this wonderful panel? All right, I'm going I'm to go off script for one more question. We have a few minutes before our first commercial break. Is that right, Mr. Producer? Yeah, we have about five minutes. So there we go. Uh, four people, five minutes. You figure out how much time you have to talk. <laughs> but uh, you, for those of you that are listening to this show, either uh, as a, a podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or however you might find Critical Mass Radio Show through your favorite podcasting software, you may have noticed from the names that we have tried to put together a diverse panel, starting with JJ as, a, as the white guy and kind of going around the board. <laughs> but you. nonetheless, um, and, and so I'm going to ask you, have you personally uh, experienced where being a member of a diverse organization, being the diversity, in other words, not a part of the majority, maybe, has, uh, has affected you? Did you feel because... You know, obviously, Summer, you're a woman. And uh, so let's start with you then, Summer. Can, can, can you share a time when, you know, we're talking about how great diversity is, but let's be real, it's not always uh, an advantage that may be a challenge or an obstacle that you have to overcome. Can you think of a time or share an experience? Yeah, uh, there's always one that comes to mind when we talk about it for being women. I used to work in advertising, which is a man's world. And you kind of have to be one of the guys. You have to listen to all the sexist jokes. They have to hit on you and say all these weird things all the time. And when you're young, it was hard for me to recognize that that was not appropriate and realize that it was suppressing me and not allowing me to grow. And so instead of sticking around, you know, I was able to journey out and do a bunch of different things. But it was eye-opening to learn now that it's all world of advertising. Um, a quick stat, I know they're boring, but 3% of all executive creative directors that are actually making decisions of what commercials you see are women. And so thinking 97% of men are telling us, you know, to do a cartwheel and tampon commercials. We don't want to see girls do cartwheels. Sorry, can I say stuff like that? Is that making a good... Internet radio. All right. As long as the live audience doesn't walk out, you can say whatever you want. So, yeah, it was just, it was interesting to see that I was a part of that, that I got, you know, I got discouraged and left the world of advertising because of it's a man's world and I was not able to hang it reminds me of one of the other shows that we did on campus here, which was Women in Business, right? And we had a panel of women talking mm -hmm. about the benefits of a women-owned business, but also the challenges. And the statistics, if you look, even though women make up half or slightly more than half of the U.S. population, in large corporations, the number of senior executives, and unfortunately, even when they're in senior roles, not unfortunately, but they um, many times women get put into roles of HR and these mm -hmm whatever non-core functional job sometimes, they're not really the CEO and president or running the, the business unit. So um, I understand. And I guess I would question to the audience and to the panel, you know, you, you said advertising is a man's business. What, 
how many businesses could you say that about? How many industries could you say that's a man, construction manufacturing? I mean, it's, unfortunately, there are still. Uh, I think the I have a daughter, right? And so you kind of see the world slightly different when you have somebody in your and a wife. So slightly different. All right, uh, thank you very much. Can we? That was a good I don't know how much of the five minutes we used, but it was great, right? We used three of it. Okay, good. Now for the guys, we have uh, three minutes, two minutes left. So uh, can you think of a leap of a time when you experienced that? Yeah, actually, I kind of have both of how it actually helped me and hurt me. So one, I'm Indian, and by trade, by trade, I'm a programmer. So a lot of people are like, oh, he's a programmer, he's Indian. This guy must be good, right? So it, it really kind of fit the bill in that sense. But where it hurt me was that I started my company when I was very young. So when actually when I was kind of scaling to actually having a small team when I was about like 19 or 20 years old, I was unable to get the meetings I wanted to. I was unable to get the jobs I wanted to. Not to say that's in incorrect. Like, really, would Nike want to hire a 19-year-old to code a huge platform or anything? I don't think so. But I didn't have any. I mean, that, that was like the best case that you know that kind of hurt me with the gen or the the, the age. Okay. Yeah. Christian, do you have anything to add? Uh, yes, I mean, I had a similar situation to um, the leap in uh, summer uh, back when I was. Uh, when I was uh, actually managing my own portfolio in finance, um, I mean, a lot of times when they, when you actually send out an email, they see your name, Christian Valencia, and a lot of times, especially when we're dealing with companies that had higher revenues, let's say a, a company that has, it's probably doing $25 million in revenue. As soon as they will see my name, great relationship, everything by email, but when it comes to meeting them in person, they're like, oh, I'm sorry, we're expecting someone a little bit different. You are probably 21, you're still still going through the analyst portion of the uh, stage when it comes to getting to learn a little bit more about finance and understanding about cash flow. Uh, but it was one of those situations that now that I actually own my company, it actually ended up building me in a sense that I don't want to have to put any of my employees or even start any type of relationship based on just knowing, uh, knowing someone by what would they look like. So it makes a big difference. So at the end of the day, it's more about relationship-based, and that's the way it should be. Um, like I was telling you, it, it was a positive and a negative uh, to the point that it actually ended up building me to kind of create the core basic foundations for my company. Excellent. And we just have a few, a little bit of time left. Okay, Polly. And I, I didn't want to pass over JJ and ask, how has being a being you affect have you experienced any uh challenges in diversity relative to being as you said earlier uh, a white guy yeah so being a young white guy i was always the youngest white guy wherever i was i called on uh, early in my career i called on uh, company presidents and i had to compensate with a pinstripe suit and then to complicate matters i got braces and uh not on my uh for my pants but in my mouth and I talk like it forced me to talk like Sylvester the cat. So it was a difficult time for me. But what I learned, I always, you know, you're not always the young white guy. Some somewhere along the way, you become the older uh, white guy. So. Suffering succotash, yeah. huh? All right, all right. And that's a that's a Sylvester Stallone reference. Thank you very much for yeah. sharing. Uh, we're going to take our first commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. When we come back, I'm going to ask the business leaders running a small company. By virtue of the fact that you don't have that many people, what is the challenge of creating a diverse culture when you're running a small business where you have less degrees of freedom as far as hiring because you just don't have that many people? So we're going to come back, ladies and gentlemen, after these words from our valued sponsors. 
When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results, a cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge, with the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days, all with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. SNH Rubber is a manufacturing company in Fullerton, California. We specialize in custom molded, extruded, and stamped rubber parts. If your next job requires a rubber part, we would appreciate the opportunity to quote on it. We serve aerospace, automotive, and many other industries. We work with many types of rubber, including silicone, EPDM, neoprene, buninitrile, and Viton. Our quality system is ISO and AS9100 approved. Over our 47 years in business, the SNH brand has become known for superior quality, quick turnaround, and competitive pricing. Please check out our website at www.shrubber.com or call 714-525-0277. Let SNH be your ceiling solution. Green light. Hey girl, school zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text, stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. We're here at Cal State University Fullerton for one of our speaker series. Today we're talking about small business and diversity. And so we thank you for listening to us. Hopefully you found us on iTunes or one of the other podcasting services. If you'd like to listen to our radio show live, we're on octalkradio.net. And we stream live on that platform every Tuesday from 4 to 5 p.m. And we'd love to have you listen to us live, or if you can't, then listen to us a podcast. You know, I said before the break we were going to talk about the challenges of diversity in small business. But before we get there, I wanted to ask J.J. if he could share some relevant statistics on diversity in business. You know, I'll do my best. Uh, first of all, there are a couple of major drivers of the demographics, and uh, one would be the birth rate, right, and the changes in the birth rate up and down by the different uh, diverse groups. The other would be immigration. And so those are two major players in what's happening with our demographics. And obviously there are other impacts. There are a few trends at play that uh, are becoming obvious. One, we see it at Cal State Fullerton. Uh, We're now a Hispanic majority uh, university. Uh, And that's relatively new within, I think, the past couple of years that we made that, uh, that change. It happened to us. We didn't make it, rather. Uh, but when you look at what's happening across the U.S., you'll see that 
uh, the uh, share of the Hispanic and the Asian community is obviously growing at a, a very fast rate. Uh, so that community was like 14% of our population. Uh, it's on the way almost there to be 19% of the total U.S. population. And let's talk about the Hispanics for a moment. So they're driving a big part of our workforce now um, where the uh, the uh, uh, non-Hispanic workers are declining to about 68%. Now, the reason I, I, I bring up the Hispanics right now is that as a group, uh, they're the least educated group within our society. Now, uh, Hispanics are a very large, very diverse group, but overall, so th this, this group is growing, and they have the least what we would call job skills to bring to the market. So the growth of the Hispanic community is going to have uh, a direct uh, economic impact, for example. Thanks, JJ. Can we give him a little bit of love for his facts? Thank you. Okay. Um, Christian, can you uh, tell us a little bit about your company and what you, what you are doing to encourage and develop diversity within your firm? Yes, um, as I mentioned to you guys before, we design and manufacture double insulated stainless steel um, protein shakers. And um, one of the things that we do is that now as we're starting to grow our company, uh, we have a lot, of, um, a lot of things that we had to think about. Uh, one of them is uh, how we're going to be able to inspire inclusion when it comes to our employees. How are we going to be able to inspire inclusion, even with um, some of the other team members that we work with? Uh, and that could actually be contractors, even when it comes to a customer base. That's something that we have to start thinking about. And um, like, I was, like I was mentioning to you guys, as of this moment, our main focus is to kind of find the ideal foundation that it's going to help us grow as a company for us to be able to have the right team and establish a well-diversified team. And like I mentioned to you, it's, I think diversity, it's more of an unmeasured term that um, goes beyond sex, race, ethnicity. And um, the way I view it, it's more about uh, personal experiences and uh, personalities and work ethics. So, Excellent. Dilip, could you share what you're doing? Yeah, so um, we have a very young team. Uh, since we are a brand and digital agency, there's some level of skill that each of our members kind of bring to the table. They're a designer, they're a strategist, or a developer. And because of that, I mean, we're not really looking at, like, you know, age, gender, race, or anything like that. But what I look at is, like, different past experiences. I mean, I'm kind of biased, though. I mean, I go against the norm. I really don't look at any resumes. I look at the work you can do and the potential that you could do in the future. And so kind of something that I've kind of like really like uh, feel that we kind of are a little bit different than a lot of companies that what we teach on site with a lot of our team members so maybe to like kind of condition our team members teach them a skill make sure they're better and kind of also better their careers at the end of the day and so because of this we're not like i said we're not looking for these different characteristics but naturally we just have a very diverse group all around from educational backgrounds race age and, and sex and stuff like that let's thank our entrepreneurs for their answers please uh, a part of what we do here on Critical Mass for our speaker series, our live shows at colleges and universities, is we encourage the audience to participate. And uh, I understand that maybe there's someone in the audience that would have a question for the group. Is that true? Is there someone in the audience that has a question for the group? Well, uh, or comment. Grab the microphone. State your name. Hi. Charles Seda Medina with the Small Business Institute and Center for Entrepreneurship. And I was basically going to comment on um, what Dalip has said. And I think that 
um, sort of the speed of the leader is the speed of the yang. And it looks like for you and your business, your mindset has always been open to that diversity. Mm-hmm. And it's not sort of constrained to the, you know, what we've been talking about in terms of limitations. Um, and because your mindset is as it is, mm-hmm. you know, you're seeing that diversity organically within your company. Mm-hmm. And that's great to see. All right. Give her, some, give her some love. Give her, the panel gives her the love now because she. All right. Welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. This is our speaker series. We do it on a regular basis. Our next one will be in uh, Cal State uh, Long Beach, and it'll be in October. And uh, I believe we have the chief marketing officer for Virgin Galactic. There we go. So. Whew. You can't just put pressure on yourself. In those moments, you just got to relax and let it flow. Let it out. Let it out. I know it's in there somewhere. It's there somewhere. Come on. Come on. Anyway. So we're talking about small business and diversity to a live audience. Uh, One of the questions that I wanted to ask you is, is your experience that a company that embraces diversity has a competitive advantage? And if so, can you talk about that? Uh, JJ, I'm going to look to you to start. Yeah, I think the competitive advantage would come from the unique experiences that the diverse people have. And uh, what that means is because of race, ethnicity, gender, these individuals have experiences maybe that the others don't. And that gives a perspective, uh, arguably some wisdom uh, it brings to the team that they wouldn't have otherwise. Thank you very much. Summer? I'm going to, so for the businesses is, they w- corporations want to make sure that when doing business with small businesses, that it reflects the market that they are serving. So I definitely think uh, a small business having, you know, different ages, races, gender, definitely allows a, a corporation to recognize that they are serving the market that is buying their product or service. Excellent. Dalip? And then Christian? Yeah, so I think, um, at least in our company, we are, we're very different in terms of our diversity. And that kind of like has created more of a transparent environment. Um, members are able to challenge each other. They're able to like break out of the actual workload and kind of understand where they're coming from, what their past experiences are. And um, because of that, it's made, our, it's made at least our internal team kind of adopt the company uh, as their own. So that's kind of like the big differentiator with, the, with the, our company because when you can have your team members adopt your own company as their own and they're able to respect each other, challenge each other, um, you kind of see the, the company grow from that. Excellent. Christian? Perfect. I think when it comes to diversity, I mean, you have to be fully invested and you have to put yourself in the line when it comes to think about diversity. Um, if you think about it, diversity drives innovation. Innovation is going to drive the growth of the company. So if the CEOs and corporations are not willing to be fully invested in that, um, I mean, that's that's going to be a huge disadvantage for them. So at the end of the day, it's it's definitely come down to the, once again, and I know I keep repeating this over and over again, but it's more about the experiences of what every single individual is going to bring to the table. So at the end of the day, as a company owner, I don't view an individual just based on educational background. I know what their capabilities are, and I know what they're going to be able to bring to the table. And at the end of the day, that's more important for me because at the end of the day, you're there to be able to build a team that's going to be able to drive innovation, and eventually it's going to be able to help your business. So, 
Thank you. You're listening to Critical Mass Radio. So sure, give them. Yeah. It's always nice to hear applause, right? And if you have a question, just put your hand up, and we have a microphone. Just speak into the mic, say your name, and ask the question. We'd love to have participation from the audience. You're listening to our live college speaker series. Um, so the tech industry, which is the is is a major center of innovation in our country and around the world, but specifically here in, in California, too, which is a major, major center in Northern California and, and Orange County as well, has recently been in the press a lot as we talk about uh, diversity, and not in a good light, right? The, the realization that some of the largest tech companies are not a very diverse workforce, and, and some stories let you believe that they're not a very friendly workforce to diversity. Uh, since I have two entrepreneurs who are in the tech space, who, uh, how do you feel, why do you, I'm going to, why do you think that is the case, that some of the larger players in the tech industry haven't adopted what you two entrepreneurs have adopted in building your companies? I mean, it really goes back to the core foundation of that company. Um, most of those companies have been established for quite some time. The beauty about a startup company is that you have the capabilities to build everything from scratch. Um, what I believe it's right, maybe a CEO that's been doing this for 30 years might not be able to think it's right. Uh, they might be able to keep the same standards of, hey, listen, I want to have someone that comes from a reliable educational institution, someone that knows what they're doing. They're looking more about the actual um, educational background. Comparing on our end, I'm looking more on how to expand our company as a whole, not only being able to uh, commit myself to be able to help a team member or an employee. Um, and like I was telling you, at the end of the day, you have to be fully invested and be able to, um, and be able to inspire inclusion when it comes to your employees. And like I was telling you, that's a big difference comparing to looking at, let's say, uh, myself or even Talib, I mean, we're, we started a company from scratch, and um, that's just the beauty of our game, that we're creating our own foundations of what we think is right. I mean, we have the beauty to be able to kind of look at other companies such as Apple, uh, some of the other companies that they're doing the right thing. Um, and from there, I mean, that's one of the things that I'm personally taking little by little just to kind of grow my company. So, Yeah, so um, I think like big corporations are kind of stuck in their, their habits as well. So... Yeah, you've heard of the saying like it takes 21 days to make or break a habit. So in this case, like it, uh, diversity and inclusion environment, it isn't it isn't something that you kind of just like adopt overnight. It's something that's kind of like preached around, and like a level of intuition throughout your whole company culture is then adopted for everyone else to kind of like gather that same assumption. And it's not like something you just say now we're going to think in this mindset or now we're going to, you know, preach this. It's just something that's kind of like it takes time. So I think the uh, it's being valued uh, over time. Small to mid-sized businesses are being able to offer this, and I think that's kind of like separating them and able to like kind of gain them traction, especially in the tech space, very quick. You see like diversity, uh, the practice of diversity, which enforces an inclusive environment, has kind of like uh, brought those like these type of companies to the big leagues. But other comp- other big corporations stuck in their old ways will be will be stuck in the old ways until they actually make an extra extra effort in order in order to adopt it globally. Um, but it just takes effort, really. Thank you. And Summer, because a lot of what's been written about the large tech companies is how few women are in those firms, especially in senior leadership roles. What's your view on it? I think for me is they don't have to. They're the most important influential companies in the world. 
And so they just hire based off of talent. They don't want to have to consider diverse, diverse women, minorities. Um, they just think, you know, we're moving forward and we're just always going to pick the best candidate. But it's just proven that minorities hire minorities and women hire women. And so these companies, kind of to what the two entrepreneurs said, is that uh, that they have a system set up. They've been in business for 30 years as predominantly white males that are hiring other white males. And so there is a, a switch that has to happen in order to get women on the boards, women in executive levels and all that. And so um, I think it's happening, but until there's, like, regulation, unfortunately, private companies, they just they don't have to. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. And can we give them a round of applause for a sensitive subject? All right, we have we have about three minutes left, but I, before our next commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show, our live speaker series, I wanted to ask, since we have the pleasure of having uh, three of our four panelists fitting into the millennial category, uh, I wanted to ask you to think about how do you think as your as your generation moves into uh, running larger companies, growing and scaling, taking on senior roles. How does this whole discussion of diversity morph or change relative to how you were raised by your parents and sort of how you see diversity versus maybe a, what a baby boomer might see as diversity? Does that make sense? And who would like to step into that? And we may not be able to get all three of you to answer, but at least if one of you could start us off and then we'll take our break, that'd be great. Summer has her finger up. I'll start if that. Yeah, I'd love it. Go. So I would say with our generation, it was interesting growing up, everybody was equal. There was no difference in race. Like, obviously, you would see physical differences. So it's interesting to get to this level, work for a nonprofit that recognizes diversity, right? That women are separate and need programs to help them, minorities are separate and need programs to help them. That you see how important the topic is. But I do see with this next generation coming up, and this is what I'm hoping for, is we're working ourselves out of business. We don't want there to have to be a program to help women, to help minorities. We just want everybody to have a level playing field. And so I think it does come with each generation as they come. And so I love to leap in Christian's comments is they didn't see diversity as race, colors, you know, anything like that. Gender, they saw it as experiences. And I think that is what needs to happen. I'm glad you stepped up first because you set the good tone. We're going to take a break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. Yes. And when we come back, the Leap and Christian will be able to add on to what Summer said. You're listening to Critical Mass Radio Show, Summer Series at Cal State University Fullerton in the Business School. We'll be back after these words from our sponsors. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. UPS Protection has been protecting systems in the U.S. against brownouts, blackouts, and poor quality power for over 25 years. We provide power protection systems, including UPS, lighting inverters, generators, and service for clients from coast to coast. We specialize in solving all your power needs. As a direct reseller of the best brands in the industry, including Liebert, Powerware, and APC, we can solve all your power protection needs. 
Protecting your power is our main goal. We offer on-site or depot repair of our critical equipment. To better serve your budget constraints, UPS Protection also offers both reconditioned and new products. This is the sound of a flat-screen television hurled off a building. Now the new bike your kid wants. These are the things you could have all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Use Energy Star light bulbs and appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at EnergySavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. This is our live college speaker series. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. And if you would like to connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm Richard Rick, R-I-C, Franzi. Please feel free to make a connection on LinkedIn. If you'd like to uh, follow me on Twitter, my C- my handle is tweet CEO, sorry, CEO Peer Groups. Our YouTube channel is Richard Franzi, where our, our studio shows are actually recorded as well. And so if you don't want to listen to the podcast, you can watch the video and obviously in your favorite podcasting software, type in these four words, Critical Mass Radio Show, and you'll get our weekly updates of the programs that we do throughout the year. All right, we're on campus here, and we're talking about small business and diversity. And we left with Summer giving us good thoughts, uh, her input on how millennials are changing the view of diversity. And I'd like to ask our two entrepreneurs if they have anything to add to what was said before the break. Yeah, so... um when I started my business, I started like a programmer. I kind of stated that before, but later I realized my job wasn't a programmer anymore. It was to build careers. And so I feel as if, you know, in order to stay relevant for, you know, Generation Y, they, you have to be able to offer more in the workforce uh, where you can be able to build their career, better their craft, and um, do a little bit more for them, um, whether that's benefits or just taking, taking care of them. I think that's what, it, that's what it's going to take to um, stay relevant. Thank you. Christian? One of the things that, uh, that I realized over time is that technology is advancing every single day. And um, one of the things that we're going to start seeing in the near future, and I know Summer mentioned this, is that she's wishing to see the equality within all portions ac- across the board itself. Um, and like I was telling you, one of the things that when it comes to diversity, I think the whole terminology is going to be changing over years is that now with multiple races, I mean, uh, I'm married to um to to a white person so now that we have a kid um races are changing and now one of the things that i would do want to see as a as a business owner is that i want to do see that my kid has the same type of opportunities that we're creating for for the future itself so um i think diversity itself the terminology is something that it's going to change over time excellent can we give them a little round of applause and, and I think the millennial generation has a challenge, and that is to raise their children to the quality that the boomers raised the millennials to, right? I think we did a very fine job being a parent of, of, uh, of millennials, and I think taking that and doing it even one better in the next generation only makes this idea of diversity uh, moot maybe at some point, right? Or it's a finer point on the conversation. As I said here in the radio show, it's a live show, so we encourage the audience to participate. And I understand from our field producer that we have someone who would like to ask a question. Thank you <clears throat> so much. Um, I had a question for um, this, the business owners. Is How do you feel that the hiring process is going to be? I know you mentioned uh, not taking into account the resumes as much, but 
do you think it will still be an interview process? Because I know with with my company, we've started think, looking at like oh networking, like places like this, and we're starting to look for our people there instead of saying oh we're here's the job application, do all that stuff. It's more so about like who the person is outside because I, I feel like a lot of times it's like a a pitch, like a fake pitch that you don't get the real person until you know maybe a couple of months where they're working for you. So how do you think that scope or space is going to look? I'll be more than happy to take that. And, um, I mean, that's one of the things that, I mean, we have the ability to create, create pretty much create our own foundation when it comes to the core values of a company. Uh, when it comes to a hiring process, one of the things that I do see moving forward is that um, I want to be able to build a relationship with the employees, even if it's someone that you're going to be interviewing. Uh, you have to be fully committed in the sense that you want to be able to learn about the employee. It's not about just hiring someone. Can you tell me what you could do? Uh, it's more about being able to build a relationship because at the end of the day, they're going to be, be a part of your team. So the way I view it, it's kind of learning, just kind of learning a little bit more about that person um, in the sense that you're going to be able to build a relationship with them. Um, and from there, you could actually take it a step forward to be able to help them expand their own knowledge on what you think it might be the ideal path for that individual. Um, like with someone, when it comes to the educational background, yeah, I mean, I come from my business background. It's completely different to what I'm doing now. Um, obviously, kind of gave me the core foundation to kind of know how my cash flow is going to operate. But now I'm looking into a whole different industry itself. Then now I'm being more of the creative portion of it. Um, we're creating products from start to finish, and um, just being able to kind of have the opportunity for me to be able to expand my knowledge to another employee, it's a huge benefit. So it's once again, it's more of a relationship base that, that, and that's the way I would actually be moving forward. Yeah. Um, I mean, kind of what you said, like we really don't look at resumes. We look at skills that are offered and the interview process is so scripted. Yeah. What, yeah. what I care about is that can I drive with you? You know, can I get along with you? But I think one of the biggest pieces too is that like, I'll never try to hire someone that has the same skills as, at least like to the T, that and someone else on the team, you almost have to look at it as like a puzzle piece that you're trying to fill in. So if you see someone like, you know, that brings something different to the table, to make, see if it like fills a different void. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we go through interviews, you know, you have to do that. You do have to at least glance at the resume, but a big thing is can you drive, can they drive with you? And if you're the right fit and if they're the right fit for you, everything works well. John, I'd like to build on Willie's question and say from an academic point of view, from the university's perspective and from you at the Center for Excellence in Entrepreneurship, how are you preparing your students for the way that people are selecting and finding talent today? Yeah, I think there is a complaint by the uh, hiring managers in the workforce about the readiness of college grads. We hear about it, and the term they use is uh, skills gap. And so uh, at uh, a university such as Cal State Fullerton, we, we teach people how to problem solve. Uh, we bring them uh, up to speed on theory. But uh, short of application, the graduates go to the workplace uh, and they don't have all the skills that the hiring companies want. And well, why is that? Well, it's because the companies today don't have the time to train, right? So uh, it, that is a, a dilemma, I think, in our current match of the education uh, that is offered at the university level and what the job market is looking for. And by the way, to uh, further answer Willie's question, 
Uh, there's a new interview technique that the larger tech firms are using, uh, particularly uh, Google does this, and it's called job simulation. And so rather than a traditional interview, uh, they put you in a work environment that's similar to work, and they let you explore it uh, live. And it's one of the, it's like an acid test to figure out if you could fit in. I think it's very clever. Excellent. Thank you. Can we get a round of applause to that? And to Willie for asking the question. Yeah, baby. Thank you. Thank you, oh brave one. Um, okay. On the script, question number 11. In your opinion, what companies truly understand and promote diversity? I'm doing that as a, as a give back to your interview thing, right? That's how, how it is, right? I have a list of questions here. I'm going to ask every candidate that, and we're going to see how they answer, and we're going to rate your answers. But for this time, I'm serious. I would like you to talk about, um, in your opinion, what companies do you think truly understand diversity? Uh, any come to mind that you'd like to share with us here? So now I'm, in, now, I'm in, now I'm in trouble for asking you a question that was on the script. <laughs> Anybody? Yeah, I could actually take that. Um, okay. I mean, when it comes to a large scale, I think Apple has done an amazing job um, when it comes to diversity. Uh, I think everyone from the CEO has been fully committed to, um, to inspire inclusion. Um, and like I was saying, when, when it comes to building your own company, I mean, I take a look at multiple companies to see what they're doing. How is a large company doing something differently than, let's say, maybe Microsoft might be doing differently in order for me to be able to incorporate into my own core values um, when it comes to establishing the, uh, and start building my own company itself? Um, and I know the leap. I mean, I've known the leap for quite some time, so he's done an amazing job uh, when it comes to inclusion and being fully invested into, into his team as well. Great. Thank you for being the brave one, Christian, to answer that question. Did that spark anything else in the rest of the panel? Anything that you anybody wants to add to the conversation about organizations, entities that are doing a good job at embracing diversity, and it shows and, you, and it resonates with you? Well, I'm ready to talk about the firms that are doing a poor job. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, okay. that's generally small companies, and small companies uh, tend to have some hiring biases, and they tend to hire people they like, and if that person's like, if the person's like me, oh, that's going to be a good person. I should hire that person, right? And so there's some built-in prejudice and bias uh, to their hiring. And also, uh, small firms tend to be a bit incestuous as uh, hiring friends and family. And the, uh, that makes for a less diverse organization and for a poorer performing organization. Thank you. Okay, let's give them all a round of applause for trying to uh, answer that question. You know, as, as, as I'm standing up here, I'm thinking we're quickly, through technology and for other reasons, becoming much more of a global world marketplace. And you don't have to be a large multinational with a footprint across the world, especially if you're a technology play, to have a global customer base, correct? You can reach audiences now through technology that a decade ago you couldn't get to. So... Um, do you think, earlier I think it was you that said it's great to have your employee population mirror your customer base? I think that came from you. Was, somebody said that. And let's just say it was you. I'm done. Yeah, it was you or Christian. Okay, so I have 50 chance, 50, 50 chance. Wasn't it, Philippe? Yeah. Damn it. See what happened. Sorry. Do you see what happened there? You, you gave the credit to the guys on the panel. One woman. Ooh. One woman. <laughs> hey, I'm a work in progress, okay? I'm not I'm a finished product yet. Thank you. All right. Summer, you said that. So answer the question then. Yes. Uh, 
Oh, that. Oh. The question is. Yeah. Oh, I was like, I don't think I heard one. I didn't get to it yet. I got off track. So, how important is it for even a small company, given that they can be a global supplier, to have a diverse, a more diverse workforce? Mm -hmm. To mirror, we have about eight minutes left to mirror the the marketplace that they sell to. I have a four minute answer. So no, I'm kidding. Um, so for it is from my experience in working with women businesses that are global is it is absolutely critical into them understanding the culture of the countries that they're trying to get into, especially if their current clientele is there. And that is really the way of the world is if you were to talk to Disney right now and you are a regional supplier that's based here in, say, Southern California, they're not interested in that anymore. They're interested in a global company that can serve them on a global level because that is their focus and that is their clientele and that's who they're reaching. So it is. It's a very interesting trend right now. And I think it upsets a lot of uh, businesses that are, say, in the U.S. because that, that's the trend that's happening and they want to say, keep, you know, keep it in America. But we're dealing with global companies now. So. Right. And, and as we are, we're still the largest economy in the world, but... Uh, we won't always be, probably not always be that. We probably have a very serious opportunity for China to overtake us in the future. And as that market grows, then that's where the investment dollars are going to go to where the market is, right? And so we need to be able to appreciate that. And, and I want to say it is great that I was called out by you right. here on my own show <laughs> in front of an audience. So thank, I'm very comfortable with that. All right. hey, you know, we all have to, we all have to uh, do something. So does anybody else want to add anything uh, from the technology sector or J JJ from an educational perspective to the question that Summer just answered, which is you don't have to be very big to need to have diversity, right, to resonate with your client population? No, I, I, I just think it's a reflection uh, of what is our new normal, okay, in terms of diversity. And it's time to wake up and smell the coffee, and you have to come up with a solution that's going to match uh, the marketplace. And the truth is China is uh, kicking our butt, and they actually devalued their currency today uh, such that they could continue to, uh, to kick our butts. And so it's a new world out there, and it is stinking thinking to think uh, red, white, and blue, go, 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 we're, we're number one because it's now a global market in almost all of our uh, major uh, customer segments out there. Right. All right. Uh, we only have a few minutes left, but we have a question from the audience. Is that true? Did I, uh, my field producer said there was a going once, going twice. Oh, there we go. Yeah. We knew it, brave soul. State your name, please. Uh, my name is Daniel Coates, and I'm a uh, student here at Cal State Fullerton as well as a student assistant employee that writes blog posts. And I just kind of have a question. Uh, I know it's a little bit off topic, but uh, I wonder about, like, some diversity categories like Hispanics. How do you define that? Because, like, I, I mean, like, you know, for myself, I'm, uh, like, on my mother's side, she's Spanish, like, from Spain. How, how would you consider, would, would I be considered part Hispanic, or how does that work? So you're asking John that is what is what you're saying? Cause, uh, uh, I'm asking any uh, <laughs> any of them, but okay. I'm gonna, well, anyone that's willing to answer it. I'm putting the ball up to John first. Well, a actually, it's what you would disclose and which box you would check. Yeah. So we we wouldn't put you in a box. You would put yourself in a box. Yeah, I actually remember um, writing a paper about this um, a couple years ago, and um, now that we're I actually just we just had a daughter. Uh, I want to say about a month ago, 
And oh. it actually... Oh. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, you deserve a round of applause. <laughs> no, but that's, that's His wife does. Oh, His wife yeah. deserves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question. I mean, it's something that you are going to have to identify over time. Um, what culture do you actually relay a little bit more to? Uh, it's not about I'm a quarter this, I'm a quarter that, half this. It's really it's going to come down to what culture you actually identify a little bit more towards. So, on the check box, there was never an Indian box. I was Asian, so. <laughs> <laughs> and by definition, Spaniards are not considered minorities mm-hmm. from European. And by the way, I just check all of the above. That's so. right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was you, Paul, that told me that on a recent application that you filled out, it asked you what gender you identified with. The actual form had that wording. So, I mean, may you live in interesting times, but we are are really rediscovering a lot of things about the human condition, aren't we? So, thank you for bringing that to my attention, Paul. I've told that story a number of times. I don't know if anybody else has seen that on an application that you you have. It asked transgender or which gender you identify with. And that was the first time that I had ever seen that right. on an application. It was about a week ago. Right. And, and, and I've told that story, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago you told me that. And I've been telling that story a lot. And it is amazing to me, not everybody resonates, vibrates well with that. Mm-hmm. Right? Just you, you can tell right away when you give it to them how they respond physically almost, sometimes almost physically, in a way that says they're not comfortable with the fact that that's how they've restated the question. So, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a process, right? It's, and I'm not advocating any one position. I'm just saying not everybody sees these changes in the same way. All right? We're up on our clock now. So if there, I, I, we have time for a last question from the audience, if there is one. If not, I would ask you to give a round of applause for all of our panelists for giving up their time. Thanking our host, JJ, for doing this again, and Travis. Uh, Travis was here. He put a lot of work in behind the scenes. Our field engineer is also the owner of octalkradio.net, Paul Roberts. <laughs> Give him some love. And I want to thank in absentia our uh, field producer, Asia Celestino, who, who is now in New York City working for Channel One as a field reporter. She's living her dream. She's moved to the Big Apple and Asia Celestino. If you are interested in attending my next live event, it's October the 5th, and I have a panel discussion. It's a breakfast meeting at the Center Club. We have as one of the panelists uh, the president of Vans Shoes, Kevin Bailey, and we're going to be talking about growing your business in new markets, kind of the blue ocean strategy, finding markets that you can go into other than red ocean where you're always, always competing. So if you're interested, um, I can get you information on that. The information will be up on our website, Critical Mass for Business, shortly. I'd like to thank our advertisers for supporting our live speaker series. I want to thank our panelists again for the role that they played in contributing knowledge and to Yes, thank you, Paul, to Cal State Fullerton for the facilities and the food, and all of you for taking time out of what I'm sure is a very busy, it was a beautiful day in Southern California. You could have been at the beach, right? Disneyland, there's a lot of places to go here in Southern California other than Cal State Fullerton. So in addition to the panel, give yourself one last round of applause for being here. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.